Hale Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. Those cold northern winds will be blowing across our great plains. And if you're feeling the shiveries inside your house, time to talk to your local Pella Omaha and Lincoln expert about taking a closer look at your windows. Save energy and stay warm with windows from Pella that are properly installed the patented Pella way by professionals using window and doors with the highest energy efficiency ratings in the industry from Energy Star. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my friends at Runza. You know, uh, Nebraska needs to figure out how to establish the run game. But the one thing all Nebraskans know how to do is establish the Runza game. That's what I do. Every single lunch, I get the opportunity to. Your boy is making it happen. It's an original runs of cheeseburger, maybe some of the best French fries in the world, or maybe some onion rings that are double-dipped in the homemade batter, a little bit of pop to top it off. Oh, Lord have mercy. In football, you establish the run. Well, at lunch, you establish the runza. It's that simple. Get to runza today and get yours and tell them your friend Nick Baugh sent you. All right, uh, we're back at it. Recap pod, Nebraska, Illinois, what was uh, – Frustrating, you know. It felt like it was a big opportunity for Nebraska to to start building something after a, a big win over Penn State the week before. Fall to the Fighting Illini, forty-one to twenty-three, in what was a frustrating game, really right from the start. First play from scrimmage with Luke McCaffrey's turnover. So there's a lot to unpack uh, with this frustrating loss. So let's get to it. Yours truly, former black shirt, former All Big Twelve linebacker, and my best friend Bo Rude. We're breaking it down in joy. All right, well, here we are, another recap pod. Uh, Bo Rude, not in, not in, in, in the same room as me. We've, we've hooked up via FaceTime. Uh, boy, are we on? We are on quite the roller coaster. It's like Ohio State. We're like progress, man. It's progress, <laughs> man. You gotta see it. You gotta see it, man. Then Northwestern <laughs> comes. We're like, you need to burn everything to the ground, man. And then Penn State comes. It's like, hey, man. We're not bad, man. And now Illinois comes. It's like, burn it all back to the ground, man. Is that where uh, you're at with it? Oh, yeah. It's it's the old, like, we've been doing the two steps forward, one step back now for <laughs> years. I'm like, like, this is that how you tango? I don't know what's a what tango. What is happening here? But this is this is even – every season is very up and down and roller coaster-y, you know, but this one even more so. And the thing that's hard, this is what – I'm going to be a hypocrite – in like what I'm about to say and then what I'm about to do for the next hour. When are we ever going to get out of this mode of every time Nebraska loses a game, we have to have a gigantic State of the Union referendum on the culture and the program and where it's going. You know what I mean? Like at some yeah. point it would be nice if if we could get out of that world. I don't know what it would take to get out of that world, and I think a lot of what we're about to talk about is big picture, 
30,000 square foot view, but isn't it interesting that like, it seems like every game that Nebraska loses, we literally have to call a town hall and have a gigantic discussion. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm actually glad that we're doing this podcast today on Sunday and not yesterday. We almost, uh, just, we almost did it yesterday. It was close. <laughs> we almost did it. <laughs> but, but here's, here's what I will say, Nick. We talked about Penn state and how close that game actually was and the repercussions if we won or lost and how we needed to be more reasonable with that win. That's why we talked about that last week. And now this was a bad, it was a bad loss. It really yeah. was. I am, I do think it's a bit of an overreaction though. Like I don't think we were showing that we were that much better maybe than, than we even played yesterday. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Like we weren't good, but we haven't been that much better to the point where like I'm shocked like I like some people seem to be. Like I'm not that shocked. I was more surprised when we didn't do that a little more frequently at the start of the year almost. <laughs> if that makes sense. No, you're right. Like when you think about it, this team, first of all, it felt like they were due for one of these kinds of games. Basically, the offense is so bad right now that all it all it needed to take was for the defense to have a little bit of a clunker, and this was going to be the game, regardless of the opponent. I mean, that's the thing that I I, I don't. Everybody's going to look yes at, at the at the game against Illinois, and they're gonna they're gonna want to rip the defense and all that. It's like, well, I mean, they've had to be almost relatively perfect for this team to even have a chance to win. And all it took was that side of the ball to slide a little bit and everything else got magnified and fell apart. In all reality, the offense kind of played like they always play. And that's the part that for me, uh, that seemed like I, I saw what I'd been seeing there. And the defense to me looked like a really worn out, like unfocused version of what they are. Like they didn't get beat down like they did a couple years ago necessarily. I thought they were just, they looked tired and they looked like they were sort of half focused. And that's what you get when you show up like that, when you're not unbelievably talented. We're, we're, we're decently talented, but we didn't show up. And so that was the defense's, uh-oh, this is our slip-up game. You know, we have right. them every year. And this was that game. But the offense has been this sort of unproductive and one-dimensional all season and, and a good chunk of last season too. So, mm -hmm. so that's the part where I'm a little less shocked than everybody else. I actually would have expected this to happen last week and not this week. So the weird part is we played a better game against Penn state who's way more talented than Illinois. And our letdown was against Illinois who we have regularly beaten. Yeah, you're right. I mean, cause it, like, let's say the two outcomes were just reversed like let's say Penn State beat Nebraska forty-one to twenty-three, and Nebraska beat Illinois. Like, I think the the vibe of things are a little is a little different, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and all the issues remain the same. So again, that's the benefit of of sleeping on it, kind of calming down from the emotions of the game. But like, I, sometimes I write down these questions and I write down my thoughts before I do the pod with you. But like, what do you think that is like? I'm really trying to figure out 
you know, we've talked a ton about how this program doesn't know how to win. Like they don't know how to seal the deal and all that stuff. But the other thing is this program seemingly doesn't know how to handle winning either. It's like whenever they win, they can't seem to like stack performances, stack wins. What do you think? Like, what do you attribute that to, you think? Or is that just kind of like the nature of it's the beast part, when you're not? Yeah, when you haven't learned how to win, you haven't learned how to deal with winning yet, right? And and when you win, you know, it's harder work to to consistently – I think it's all about consistency. Like, they, they don't know how to be consistent at the things they're doing, which is part of their preparation. They might get up for a week, and then the next week it's like, whew, okay. Uh, to me, that's what I saw. Like, to me, I saw a defense that was just – flat out not ready to play they just looked like physically we we gave it for three great games for us like we were physically strong for three games and now we just we're going to give you the the b effort and right. it, it looked like a b effort to me. right and so let's i mean before we get way too big picture let's kind of dive into the game and unfortunately the very first play of the game set the tone in a bad way. The The turnover from Luke McCaffrey really was kind of, really was was ominous in a lot of different ways for how the, like everybody kind of felt, oh God, it's going to be one of those days. And now it is, it is unfortunate there was no replay. Um, there was a statement from the Big Ten on how there was no, apparently there was no angle. They didn't have an angle down on the field that would have been able to overturn it so they had to just go with the call on the field which i don't know that kind of sounds like a bunch of bs to me nick you know what how, how can they say that it's all about the the can't they've never not like overturned or even tried to challenge a play um based on which cameras caught it right it's always been on did that look like it's questionable right and that should be the that should be the judgment for do you try i mean i, I think it was worth trying if you say we tried, and the angle, we couldn't see it. They didn't attempt it. That's the my problem is I don't want to hear about camera angles. It's, it's either is it worth attempting or is it not worth attempting? Right. Well, and especially when we are currently in an era where we go to the replay too much. Like, it, to yeah. me, it's amazing where we are in a time in sports, whether it's basketball or football, where we, we err on the side of reviewing freaking everything. And the one play that had serious ramifications and was worthy of at least, to your point, like, let's at least slow. Well, hold on. Let's like at least look at this. They yeah, didn't it, it look wasn't, at it. It wasn't obvious. It was a like, we were obviously thinking it was an incomplete pass. That's, we were like casually, like, that's no, there's no chance that's a fumble. Right. And on the field, they're like, no fumble. And we're not going to review it. And we're like, we're like, hold on. Wait, wait a second. Right. And what do you mean? <laughs> and, and what's and what's hard about that is the thing that's also there's all there, there's this weird part of me that feels like the the replay team was like stuck in traffic. They were like come, they were like honking the horn like come on I gotta get there. because because the very then then Illinois takes over and Brandon Peters fumbles on his first carry and it, it wasn't a fumble and it wasn't a fumble and they gained like five yards from where the recovering the fumble and they didn't even look at that. So it's like, there's something, there, something doesn't smell right about what was happening with, with their ability to replay or review. I swear to God, those guys were like, 
running late. <laughs> tell them, uh, like, yeah, like, tell them, uh, don't, we don't have the camera in. Uh, uh, we'll be there in 10 minutes. O Street is packed. Uh, uh, I didn't know. There was a car accident, man. I don't know what's going on. Just tell them, uh, tell them the camera didn't get it. But that's seriously what it feels like because, and that was, that was really unfortunate. And we can sit here and play the excuse. Like, here's the thing is, on one hand, I can say, super unfortunate. It smells like BS that they didn't even look at it. But I can also say at the same time, what the hell was Luke McCaffrey doing? Luke, Luke made a, a rookie quarterback mistake. Like, he, that is a play you, you – I don't know how you make that play. Like, you're clearly across the line of scrimmage. There's no one open. There's no one to – there's no play there. He just sort of, you could tell, was in no man's land. And the last second, he made a, a like a freshman mistake. Yeah. Like a freshman, like, oh, whatever. You know, just like it was just kind of a bonehead decision that to me, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what that game looks like if we don't give them seven. Because, you know, Illinois looked like they were ready to play today. Yeah. But to me, it's like. When you get spotted an easy seven, it changes everything in my mind. Like the way the rest of the game goes for them is a different game because we spot them seven. You're right. I mean, because what's what's hard is it felt like it kind of took it rattled it rattles everybody and it and it kind of took the wind out of the sails of the defense. You know, the defense kind of came in feeling pretty good about themselves, and then they get put in a horrible position. Right away, they get scored on. And so it set the tone for the defense. You know, like when you get yeah. scored on immediately, it 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 flusters you a little bit, especially when like this defense is still trying to like build confidence. I mean, Nick, that is a, that's such a great point because the defense did like they, they had a great last week. They they were the story all week, how good this defense has been. And they they get put on their own 10 yard line to start the game. Okay. Right. So two things happen. Our defense gets a bad start. They sort of lose confidence. Illinois offense gains confidence. And then here's the other part that's, it's kind of hard to think about. We get the ball to start the game, which usually you want to have a, a good first drive, take up time and, and start out the lead. Instead, we, we get the ball turned over and then Illinois gets it to start the first half. So think about that. They, defer and they get the ball at half and Nick what did they do their first drive of the of the second half yeah they scored i mean they they had the 16 right. play they had the 16 play 6 or 7 minute long drive that ended in points for them you're right like it's almost like they got it's almost like they got the ball to start both the first and the second they half they did it's they got the ball to, on the 10 yard line to start a game like imagine if you were told illinois before the game guess what you get you get to start on the 10 and get the ball half they'd be like what that, like that's that's what they got to do i mean and so you see how like how much confidence that's got to give them and for us you know we're we're not a mentally tough team uh yeah and not, i mean we're not mentally tough enough yet where we just can't do that we, we're not good enough yet to just sort of like we're gonna give this team every opportunity to get their mojo going but what's weird is What's weird is the offense then came out and had an emphatic drive. Like, then the offense yeah. comes out and, I mean, just shoved it right down Illinois' throat, and they punch, they score a touchdown. So you you seemingly feel like you kind of get your, you're like, okay, 
we can catch our breath, but unfortunately, I think that the way the game started for the defense, it was more about that play was 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 more of a a blow to the de- the the turnover from Luke was yeah. more of a blow to the defense than anyone else because it it got the defense it got the defense's confidence down and it got Illinois' confidence up, and and yeah, that I, that kind of like never really fully changed. Then, yeah, to to me, our offense has is is. is kind of doing what it, it's always done there's about two drives of every first half we look pretty good and then the rest of the game we, it's really uh, it doesn't look so hot no and this game was amplified because we turned the ball over yes and that's what we really hadn't done as bad before we held on the ball a little bit better um but this game looked extra sloppy um with snaps and turnovers and penalties that, you know, like I say, I, I don't think it was that different of an offense. It just was, it just, you add a little sloppiness to it. Well, that the, here's the thing, because we're going to get into, because I mean, I have some, some fairly critical things uh, to, to, to discuss with Luke, but the reality is, regardless, regardless of who's at quarterback, the other issues surrounding the quarterback don't go away. You know what I mean? Like, no. No matter who you put at that position, it's not like I mean you could put kind of anyone there and they'd still have you could put Justin Fields there and they still would have a lot of problems. They still don't have a great deep threat. They're still fairly weak at wide receiver. The running back situation is is unsettled. They still are having a bunch of high snaps. They're still a very penalty prone, sloppy team. Like it does whether you have Adrian back there or Luke back there. All those things are remaining the same, and I think a lot of people, and this is just how some people view a quarterback change, is some people think you you put in a new quarterback and everything's better, and it's like, eh, I mean, not if you have deep-rooted, big personnel issues, it doesn't necessarily make everything better. So I think before we, because I'm going to be critical of Luke, I think it's important that we understand that a lot of the offensive issues aren't solely about Luke or Adrian. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's very fair. So with with Luke, I mean, and and again, you know, he still has a very small sample size. He's got two full starts under his belt here. But I think it's becoming pretty clear that there's a reason why other college football programs didn't recruit him as a quarterback. They recruited him as an athlete. Because as of right now, as of today, November 22nd, 2020, he's more of an athlete playing quarterback than he is in a quarterback who happens to also be athletic. He's He's got shortcomings. I mean, he's not a polished passer. Accuracy is an issue for him. Yes, he had a few drops uh, from different guys, but at some point, Bo, put it on the numbers, man. Like, at some point, you got to put it on someone's chest, hit him in stride, and and let him go make a play. And according to... Various people in the press box, when you're in the press box, you can kind of see things better that you can't see on the field. Luke McCaffrey did miss a handful of guys that were open down the field. Like the the interception at the end of the first half, uh, Xavier Betts was running wide open on a post in the middle of the field. So he's so he's he's got some shortcomings as a passer that I think were concerns that you and I had about him that I thought were on full display on on Saturday. 
Yeah, I think I think that's going to be the big question mark going forward. Is um, like you said, there's going to there's still issues around this quarterback. But when we look at the quarterbacks, um, we're getting to see more Luke, and I do think what Luke brings is a little bit more dynamic ability to run the ball. Um, he's more of a threat there. He does have the backyard scramble ability, which is good in a lot of ways. It keeps keeps drives alive. We've liked that. The concerns about his throwing motion and his arm strength and his vision now are going to be kind of, I think, the next test for is he is he the guy, right? Because the thing about Martinez is he does have a, a pretty arm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so there's going to be trade-offs of what we what will what will help us win best going forward. And I don't know that it's clear right now to me either way. I think you get a better thrower out of Martinez, you get a better runner out of uh, McCaffrey. Um, The Trump was supposed to be McCaffrey is supposed to make this offense go more. And I'm just, I I don't know that that's the case um, after this game. I, I think it's sort of, it's a coin flip right now. Maybe that was Luke's sort of, you know, his growing pain game. Um, right. But like I said, I, I just don't know. I, I saw a couple of those plays where the ball needed to be delivered fast. And he lobbed it. It gets picked off. He misses Wandale. He misses Xavier Betts down the middle. Like there was three or four passes that he just needed to throw that he didn't throw. You know what I'm saying? So it, it, there's a lot of there's a lot up in the air right now on what what do we got and, and what do we need to do going forward with these quarterbacks? Yeah, I mean, because the other thing, too, the thing that that. The other thing, he, he has a handful of times where he's running a bootleg and he's got Austin Allen and he waits till Austin Allen is like at the sideline to throw it, like get it out of, get out of, your, get it out of your hands and let, give Allen a chance to catch, turn, get up the field and maybe get five more yards. Just like little things like that timing of things, like he, he kind of seems to, to struggle with some of those things and Again, I, I'm not saying some of these things can't get corrected. I'm just going off of what I've seen so far. And yeah. you and I were talking a little bit yesterday. I I do think there's an element of how Luke McCaffrey produces that's a little bit of fool's gold. Like, I, I, let me tell you a story. So every day at practice at Creighton, every single day, we would have our little drills that we do, and one of the things we did every day is we would play one on one from the wing, and you know you'd have to you'd have to get open, catch, turn on the wing, and you're one on one again, you know, against Funk, against Dotzler, against whoever. And Coach Altman would always coach that drill, and if a player, you know, if I had to go between my legs five times and then around my back and spin and hit a 19 foot fadeaway. Coach Altman would always have this line. He'd go, fellas, that won't get us beat. Fellas, that won't get us beat. If they got to do that, that won't get us beat. And I look at the things Luke does, and if I were a defensive coordinator and an opposing coach, I would say, fellas, that's not going to get us beat. If, If all of his plays have to be like backyard football scramble yards, like eventually... 
if you can couple yeah. that with throwing the ball consistently down the field and couple that with a run with a, a tailback run game and all those things, yeah, then the the backyard scramble stuff is good. But if that's your entire offense, which anymore, that's kind of what the offense has de- devolved into. I mean, Luke McCaffrey ran the ball 26 times yesterday. I think he had 11 carries in the first quarter. He had 17 carries in the first half. Like and and you better believe a good a decent chunk of those aren't necessarily called runs. They're shotgun, yeah. catch, one read, doesn't like it and he takes off and he runs. And again, even though he's produced people would go, "Well, Nick, he's getting 5 yards on some of those." It's like, "Yeah, eventually, but like that's not going to sustain a drive." You know what I mean? Like that that goes back to my Altman yeah. thing of like, "Fellas, that won't get us beat." So there's a part of me of like, yeah, I look at his rushing numbers and I see the man, look at him scramble and run. And I'm like, I just don't know if some of that stuff is sustainable over the course of four quarters against good football teams to to put points on the board and keep drives alive. No, that I think the point of that stuff is so effective when you're doing other things well, too. Yes. you break a team's back when you can scramble. Like when you always can get those third down, you know, you know, you get those squeaky scrambles to keep drives. Like those are great, but you've got to be doing other things well. Like we're basically like running the quarterbacks and we're trying to scramble for first downs and we're not doing much else. And that's my problem is like if we were had some sort of passing game, some sort of running game with the eye back, and then Luke can do those things, that's a more dynamic offense. And the problem is, is we're not doing the other things right now. So that's the part where it, it's kind of hard because we're putting it all on Luke, but really if he doesn't do that, what else are we doing right now? That's what's hard. You know, so I know that's what's that's so hard. hard is I sit there and go, okay, well, what are you going to do with the quarterback situation? It's like, Okay, well, wait a minute. The only thing that that allows Nebraska to move the ball is everything I just said. Like it is Luke scrambling and and making some backyard football plays. So, do you really want to remove that element from your offense and tell Luke to either, "Hey man, you got to you got to start throwing the ball down the field more and giving these plays a chance?" or insert Martinez back in, where all of a sudden now what was producing for you is off the field. You're kind of in between a rock and a hard spot because it's like, I don't think Luke McCaffrey is playing winning football when you look at football as it's supposed to be, like you're saying, when you can complement the backyard football scrambling with a good consistent running game and throwing the ball. Like, I I don't think Luke is doing that, but at the same time, Imagine what this offense look, looks like without Luke's backyard scrambling football. Yeah. So you're damned I mean, if you do, damned if you don't, kind of. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, – it's going to – like, I, I think he did – he got the offense running a little better against Penn State. Now, the question is this, Nick. What do you think – what do you think Adrian Martinez's place is the rest of this year? I, that's the next question I was going to ask you. I wrote down, what do you do now? I mean, I don't know, man. I, I – <laughs> I can sit here and talk myself into you got to you got to go back to Adrian now and I would be like yeah that makes sense or I could say you got to you got to ride with Luke a little bit more and that makes sense like I actually thought at halftime they would go to Adrian Martinez like during the halftime 
break, I was like, I expect Adrian to now trot back out there because all of the things that got Adrian benched were all the things that Luke was kind of doing. And, you know, Scott Frost talked about how the offense needed a spark, and that's why they went with Luke. Well, you could have said the exact same thing about the situation on Saturday. They needed a spark. They need to go to Adrian. So I don't know, man. I I don't – what do you – I mean, what do you – because I – I can understand. I don't know. I, I'm really. I'm. At, I'm. I'm struggling with it because I don't know. I haven't seen Adrian's. You know. I think from all indications, he's handled it as well as you can. Um, you know. To me, it's almost like what I almost thought about was you got three games left. Okay, you don't want to change quarterbacks and change again. There's maybe t- time for one more quarterback change. And so to me, is it almost better to like let him compete, but Luke's probably still going to be the guy this week. And, you know, he gets a half. He gets a half against Iowa to figure it out. Um, and then if he can't get it done, then it's Martinez, you know. So I don't know. Or give him a full game. Like, I, I, I don't know. I kind of – I I don't think it's good to bounce back and forth each week. I don't either. But I, I don't know that Martinez is out of this thing. And we said that from the get-go. It's like, Adrian, this is this year's not over for him yet. Like he, there's, they are 1A, 1B that close. That's how close they've been. And it, it's tough though. I think a lot of people after they saw Luke miss some throws, they, the, the light bulb clicked. Like that's why you got, they benched Martinez. But, you know, Martinez has also shown the ability to throw it down the field a little bit more and looks a little smoother and a little faster. And um, so it's tough. I, Nick, I don't know what the right answer is. I do think those two need to compete every single snap of every day until one of them really like emerges. Yeah. I, I, it's like, do you want, do you want to stick with, Luke's scrambling backyard ability to accelerate and hit holes quickly. Do you want to kind of hit your wagon to that? Or do you want to give your passing game a chance to kind of get going? Yeah. And the hard part about both of those options is I think we know that if you're just riding with the scrambling of Luke, that has a ceiling, right? And if you try to go maybe with the more polished passer, well, we haven't seen any of these, the, this passing game, whether it's the wide receivers or whatever show to be that that has a high ceiling either. So I I don't, I don't know. I I mean, the one thing I, I, I do, how much do you think this staff is th- – how much do you think Frost and Verdusco and, and Lubick and those guys are thinking about long-term stuff? Like, how much do you th- – Oh, I mean, the fact they're playing all these young kids, I mean, they're trying to get all these young kids in the game, all these, like, you know, redshirt freshmen, uh, redshirt sophomores, whatever. The, the, these kids are – they're all in the game a lot. I mean, I think they're playing them more than they have in the past. Let's take a quick break to talk to you guys about my good friends at Runza. Got another super secret menu item that uh, when I when I revealed this super secret menu item uh, about a month or so ago, let's just say everybody's minds were blown. Everybody's minds were blown. Here's the deal. Did you know at Runza, you can get anything on a Runza sandwich? 
Think about that. Yeah, you, you don't have to rewind it. In a, anything kind of runs a sandwich. Like, I, I love a cheese runs it, but if I want to, I could throw pickles in there. I could throw a little mustard in there. I could throw some French fries in there. Anything within reason that's in the kitchen, you can ask for, and they'll add it in the Runza sandwich. How about that? Because every single Runza is made to order. They all start as an original with no toppings. Then they add toppings when you order, and boom, you got a custom Runza. You can't beat that. How about that? I'm sure your mind is blown. That's today's super secret menu item. I had to, had to revive this and tell you about it for my friends at Runza. The build your own Runza. Get into Runza today. Get one that's just for you and tell them your pal, Nick Baugh, sent you. And while we're here, let's talk about Pella windows and doors. I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. Let's uh, let's pull up uh, let's pull up Pella's website right now. Look at this. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Five different types of windows or doors by Pella have won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. I mean, that's some that's that's incredible. And they achieve that in a couple of ways. You have the insulated glass which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. You have types of low E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. You have triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all that, within all that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for windows and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Back to the podcast. What I'm what I'm kind of hinting at with that question of is like, Sometimes you make decisions thinking about managing things for the future with your quarterback spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, we want to let's give this guy this is the future. Let's give him a chance to get some experience so then he's ready to rock. Or hey, we don't want to now bench this guy cuz we don't want to lose him if he transfers cuz we benched him after he played. I think one of the questions this staff needs to sincerely ask themselves is are the do you do we do we really think these two guys are the long-term answer at quarterback? And I don't know the answer to that question. I don't, I'm don't. i not there day-to-day enough. Uh, I'm not there on a day-to-day basis to know practice. I'm not sure what the skill positions ultimately look like moving forward. I don't know. Based on – now, granted, Adrian's got a way bigger sample size than Luke, but sometimes yeah. your gut can kind of tell you. I don't – I can't sit here and tell you – that I believe one of those two guys is the answer long-term at quarterback. I can't sit here and confidently, definitively tell you that right now. They might be. I'm not going to sit here and say they are. No, there's no way those guys are the answer. But I can't. I can't tell you for sure that they are. I don't, Nick. I don't have a good answer on either. My, I, I think to me, the only thing that these coaches can do now is 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 they have to just trust what their eyes tell them, which is these guys need to compete every snap. The guy that does it best in practice, they should literally have no thought. I think you can't even think about worrying about who's staying and who's going. That's my thought. I guess that's what I'm getting at. You got to get that out of your head. But you know what? That happens when you got players, you're really dying that you're dying to keep for the future. I think these two have shown that like, 
at this point, it's like all you really want is one of them to be serviceable at this point. Yeah. So it's like you got to let them sort it out and you, you got to just let that happen. And whoever's willing to go take it needs to be the guy. And I think instead of trying to manufacture, sometimes you try to manufacture somebody to be in the guy. I think they have to truly go, look, you two are rotating until you separate. That's right. It. Yeah. I, and you can't, you can't try to manufacture this process. It's got to work itself out. Right. I tell you what though, it is just, it's amazing how, how code red the offense feels right now. Like, well, and Nick, and I'll, here's what I'll say about that, that, that less people are talking about. They're talking about receivers. Um, they're talking about quarterback, a little bit about running back. The offensive line play has, is, was actually pretty darn good against Ohio state has, was not near as good against Illinois. Like we, we didn't block Illinois very good at all. Right. We really didn't. Um, I feel like they have, they have lost their edge. Our defensive line has lost, lost their edge this game where they were getting pushed. Those two things, Nick, if we got any chance, those two, those two need to get turned back around. Cause those two, two lines did a good job for three weeks, I thought. And then they, they regressed as much. And I'm telling you, the team is going to go where they go right? as much as anything. You can say the quarterback, our quarterbacks, when we drop back, have less time than other quarterbacks. Right. That has been a, that's a trend. And we're not getting a push where we can't just hand it off, you know, 30 times a game. Yeah. That's another, we need to do that. I think we need to get a push and hand the ball to these running backs and take the pressure off our quarterbacks having to do everything. Let's talk about the defense. Cause I feel like, you know, I, we covered everything with the offense there. I feel like, I, I mean, I, the reality is there's a lot of issues. There, some of them we can speak to. Some of them, I mean, are, are hard to kind of handicap right now, and you got to kind of see what ends up happening. But the defense, like, I was really surprised at at how the the defense performed yesterday. I mean, this is a – because the thing you have to keep in mind, Illinois, I mean – they had come into the season, or they came into the game yesterday ranked 115th in scoring offense, averaging 17 points per game. Illinois had only led for a total of three seconds all year, and it was after their field goal to go ahead against Rutgers at the end of the game. And all of a sudden, it looked like the defense couldn't dream of stopping them. And so yeah. I, I really sincerely thought the defense was making progress and I still do like, I'm not ready to just be like, well, everything that I thought I'm going to throw out the window. No, I felt, I feel like I know what my eyes were telling me against Northwestern and against Penn state. Like you saw a team, you saw a defense that was improving. I just think, and you can speak to this more. I want you to hit, like talk about what it's like to be a defense, be a, a defensive player on when your offense really isn't giving you anything. Like, I just think they were having to carry this team and that wears on you. I mean, Saturday, think about this, Bo Saturday against Illinois. That was the first touchdown. The offense had scored in the second half this season. 
Think about that. So think about if you're, you know, if you're Ben Stilley and you're DiCaprio Boodle and you're Cam Taylor and you're Luke Reimer, you are you are putting on your helmet and walking onto the field and go, well, holy shit, we got to be fucking perfect today because we know that side of the ball. Not only are they probably not going to score more than 21 points, they're probably going to have three and outs that last. Oh, f- enough time for me to get a cup of Gatorade and wipe the sweat off my face before I have to go back out there. Well, and like I said at the beginning, like to me, what I saw from them was a team that looked tired. Like, and, and this is this I can speak from experience. When you have one of those, you know, ninety snap games like they did last week against Penn State, the next week sometimes you just don't have that pop. And to me, that's what I saw of these guys. And so we spot them seven. We don't got pop. They they did out scheme us. They had they had a nice little game plan for us where they were doing those those outside runs where they were pulling guys and we didn't fit up very well a few times. Um, but let me see. They it looks like they had fifty two rushing attempts and uh, twenty five pass attempts. So you're looking at seventy seven plays. So almost eighty more plays, right? So you know, to me, it's just that's that's a game that they didn't they they didn't play well but like i don't think that that defense uh regressed that much in a week where they're just not good anymore like to me that's just like that was a letdown and i do think the defense has gotten better and they are better than they have been i totally agree Um, but it was just it was a bad week for them it was a really bad week altogether um but you know what's here's here's the hard part for this defense now is when you expose yourself in a bad game, then offensive coordinators the next week, they get way more aggressive. So now they got to deal with Iowa, you know, coming at us with all they got because they, they might smell, oh, this team just showed a little vulnerability versus three weeks of like, this team's pretty good. Let's not, you know, let's maybe a little more conservative. And they were turning right? people like, over. Yeah. To your point, the defense was turning people. They were getting t- turnovers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were, they were getting, they were forcing fumbles. They were getting interceptions. So that also speaks to maybe you know a, an offense is going to go, oh man, this team's pretty good, and they're forcing turnovers. Let's maybe let's let's maybe not like let it all rip like we normally would. Yeah, and then this week, no, like basically no turnovers, and you know Illinois takes it from us four times. Yeah, I, so I, just, I mean these are these are obvious things, but you know it, it's that's that's part of winning football is like you gotta you know you can be on the the field a lot but at some point you gotta get take the ball away that's the only chance you have in those type of situations and we couldn't do it we just weren't we weren't dialed in to me i just i just didn't see it we looked tired yeah i mean and and it's hard it it is it is hard when again like i said you gotta be relatively perfect i mean and i know i feel like i'm i'm being critical of the offense, but I think like people need to not like that. That's, that's the story here. Like the story of this season so far is this offense and, and you know, a big question mark around that. I mean, the, the offense offensive points scored just the offense. So excluding the scoop score, Deontay. So 17 points against Ohio state, 13 points against Northwestern, 23 points against Penn state because they had the scoop score. And then 23 points against Illinois, but six came in garbage time where Martinez scores at the end of the game and they try to go for it. Like it was, it was, so I mean, basically they scored 17. I mean, that is not. And Nick, and think about the Northwestern game. Miles Farmer gets that pick down to the two. Like 
that's a, that's a defensive score to me. Yes. Like, that means that most of their scores, like or like half their points come off of like something that they didn't even they didn't you know fully yeah. produce themselves. So so I guess my my point is to like. Yes, the defense, that, that was a very average offense that the defense allowed to gash them and all that stuff. I get it, but like, I think some of it you have to you have to look at the totality of the situation and realize that this was a defense that was having to carry this offense and a defense that was almost having to be perfect for this team to even have a chance to win at the end of the game. And they, they, and, and it's, they didn't play well, and you kind of see yeah. what happens. The one thing that that is that I think, you know, not to get all stat nerdy, but sometimes certain stats, like whenever people talk about football, and they go like, you you talk to any football coach, you're like, what are some stats that actually matter? You know, they talk about uh, turnover margin. You know, they might talk about uh, I, I don't know red zone, whatever. You know. Red zone offense, red zone deep, red zone defense. But the one of the biggest stats in football is third down. How are you on third down? Well, Nebraska is dead last in the Big Ten in third down offense and third down defense. That's a huge. I mean, Nebraska came into the game against Illinois ranked 114th in the country on third down defense. They were giving up 50%. They're now giving up 52%. And Illinois goes 11 of 17 on third down. I mean, you had 17 third down. You had 17 opportunities, Bo, to get off the field. Yeah. And you, and you don't do it. And then conversely, same thing with the offense. You have all these opportunities on third down to keep a drive alive, and they don't do it. And so they they kind of play off each other. What do you help me understand? Teams that aren't good on third down defensively. What what is like? Is that a coaching down? Is that a like? Are those the schemer downs? Are those the like? What what it? What do you? What do you so attribute to? Are um, I think up to this point we've been really bad at third and longs. That has been our um Which the, the area we struggled. This game, though, to me, this game was different because I don't know if you noticed, but when we tackled people the last three weeks, we tackled them and they went down. We were physical. This game, everything dribbled. So first down, instead of getting a yard, they got four. And, you know, like they they kept breaking and slipping. And and so then they had a bunch of like third and ones and twos where – we had traditionally kept people into that third and, you know, six to 10. And, but we really made it easy on them on their third downs this game. They had a lot of third and shorts. So that was, to me, the cause was, was less physical play in the line and less physical tackling. Um, but, but that was a little bit of an outlier. The norm, normally, Nick, we're bad at third and long coverage and getting to the quarterback. That's typically what we don't do well. It's just, I think, I think when it gets right down to it, that stat is pretty telling. You know, the fact that you are dead last in third down offense and third down defense. Football is really hard when that's the case. Like, yeah, you, you just, I bet, Bo, you go across every conference and show me who's dead last in third down offense and third down defense, and. I, 99% of the time, that's going to be who's yeah. last in the standings. Like, that's yeah, the money it, down. 
Well, Nick, I mean, and this is what's so hard is Northwestern's five and zero. Yeah. And I, I, it's almost like I'm trying to wrap my brain around that. Penn State's zero five. <laughs> Northwestern's five and zero, and we looked at Northwesterners like that's the bottom of the barrel, right? Like them and Illinois are the two bottom of the barrel, and that's where I, I, I Nick, I don't know what to think of this year. I, I, it is. That's what's hard. It's really, yeah. it's really hard right now. Well, I even mean, even at the end of the, if if people stayed up Saturday night, Rutgers probably should have beat Michigan. Yeah, and so Michigan's going through it. You know, like Penn State hasn't won. Penn State was preseason top ten, and Penn State hasn't won a football game. And so, and Northwestern's so, undefeated. So like they're. There is the thing that we always have to we we do have to keep in mind, and this isn't necessarily an excuse. It's just like a part of the conversation that like this is a fluky that like this year's fluky. Yeah, and, I, and when my, what I'm wondering is that these teams that have turned over a lot, other than Ohio State because they're freakazoids, um, <laughs> and us, be, who we needed to you know to develop receivers. Um, and these, you know, running backs and things, and we don't get, we don't get spring ball. We don't get, you know, a real camp like we'd want. Like how much has that messed up everything? Because nothing makes sense to me anymore. I mean, nothing like why Northwestern and Rutgers are good though. You know, like Indiana, why Indiana, Indiana almost beat Ohio state. Why doesn't that affect them? Why is it that Penn state, Michigan, Nebraska, uh, have struggled. I mean, Iowa is now kind of getting on a roll. Minnesota's the same way. They're starting to win. But those teams lost their first couple games. Right. You know, like, we're all in it. Everybody but Ohio State has really been, uh, I feel like, has felt the struggle. And in Northwestern's the outlier. Like, my philosophy was they're the smartest, probably most mentally tough kids. And I think this is the year that those, those kind of – football players are rewarded. The most mentally tough and the smartest are rewarded because they are the most prepared. Right. I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. The, the I, don't hard, know. That, I don't want to, there's a part of me that like, I, I totally agree. Like it's a fluky year and, and you try to, you try to make sense of it. But here's the problem is if like, if Nebraska was five and zero, oh, we wouldn't, we wouldn't then bring up the pandemic and say, well, you know, maybe they're benefiting from a fluky year, you know. So, like, so if that, no, so if we can't, so it's like you don't want to use it only if it yeah, doesn't go well. You excuse, know what I mean? I don't like excuses, and that that's that sounds a lot like an excuse to me. So I, I'm with you. So, but it doesn't change the fact I that guess, fluky stuff's happening, right? Yeah, for me, I'm just thinking out loud, like, what the heck is going on? Not just with Nebraska. I'm talking about every. I, Penn State has never started in the top ten and been zero and five. That's, that doesn't happen. Well, no, that does not happen. And and it's not like you can't tell me that that team isn't talented. They are, and that's what's so. That's why football is so bizarre in general, and this season so bizarre is like you 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 watch Nebraska get get kicked around by Illinois, and the whole time in the back of my head I was thinking, how on earth did this team beat Penn State seven days ago? Like how, how did it happen? Like, I don't understand I don't how it happened, but it happened. And, yeah, and, and Nick, you know, and we had moments against 
Ohio State that we looked kind of good. Yes. And and had every so opportunity in the world to beat Northwestern. We played bad to lose to Northwestern, who's 5-0. and So, yeah, I mean, we, we this year, it's this is really this – is, this is an amazing moment in time because it, it kind of defies all logic. You don't get your non-con games to – you know, build up your team's confidence and like figure, sort things out. You're doing it. You're going immediately into the big time conference right. play and it's causing ha- havoc essentially. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's havoc. What's, what's incredible though is for as bad as Nebraska kind of got rocked against Illinois. Like I thought it in real time and then I re, I don't know why I did it to myself, but I did rewatch the game this morning. And it's like, man, there were, there were, and we love to play the, the, well, if this what and this, game? like, we I love, love to this play game, this Nick. game, Let's play it. but like, if you think about, okay, if, if the turnover, Luke's turnover to start the game, if that play gets reviewed and overturned, things could, you know, that's a big, that's a big, big swing. That's the biggest one. I, and I, like I said at the beginning, I, I really think if that doesn't happen, that game could have been completely different right like it could have been a night and day different kind of game but the rest of the ones are just kind of they maybe change the outcome a little bit that one changes the outcome big time yeah if you if you said scott frost you get to you get you and doc get a good in your delorean and get it to 88 miles per hour and go back in time hey scott luke don't throw that <laughs> luke the first play, don't throw it behind you. Oh, Doc, I really want to throw it. Oh, God. Oh, gosh, heavy. Doc, that's heavy. <laughs> Go up to Brandon Peters and say, hey, you, get your darn hands off her. Hey, lovey, don't you play cover two on this one. But that's okay. If you could give, if if Back to the Future Nebraska football style, if they could go back in time and and do one play over, they would do the first play. Literally, they would just say, "Just do the first play over," and maybe things are different. I love doing Back to the Future stuff. <laughs> so good. Uh, but that, I feel like you almost went into a Luke. I am your father. I know. I, I was like a Darth Vader Doc Luke. Luke. I know that was bad. That was that was bad. I'm just picturing Doc run onto the field as Luke's trotting on the field and like grabbing him and just be like, "Don't throw it! Don't do it!" You know, it's the thing I noticed. I watched a random uh, Michael J. Fox uh, movie the other day, a, a non-Back to the Future movie. But the the theme that you take away from Michael J. Fox. It's he's always kind of running. He's kind of like Tom Cruise where he's always kind of running somewhere. And it's always, it's like very physical. It's like, he's maybe the most physical actor I've ever seen. Like he's in the, he's in a suit and he's always like running down the hall. He is he's yeah. running everywhere. Teen Wolf. He's always running around, like trying to get away from things when, when he's starting to turn into the Teen Wolf and like, yeah, like, why is that? I don't know. That is I think interesting. Cruise is like, they're like little guys though. Like little guys run a lot. They bounce around and they run a lot. Cruz runs. Cruz has to sprint in every movie. It's in his contract. Yes, he's got great form. Like, he's he, got, he can run though. That guy can run. That guy's got speed. Maybe he can play wide receiver. He'd fit in right with the size of everybody. I would give him sort of like he'd be our duck R. Tom Cruise would, and I'd send him. I'd just give him a little like jet sweep. I think that's his play. T. Cruz on the jet sweep. 
tough. T. Cruz on the jet sweep. <laughs> I mean, honestly, for the first play against Iowa, would you rather do a jet sweep to Wondell Robinson or T. Cruz? I think I'm taking Cruz right now. <laughs> Here's the thing is, T. Cruz would think he, like, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go score. I'm going to go score. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm going to go score right here. That's Cruz what we're doing. Cruz is going to score. Cruz is going to go score. But, okay, so back to the stupid if game. But, like, okay. so the first play of the game, the snap over Luke's head on fourth and four that he has to scramble and he throws the interception. The interception didn't really matter. But, like, it's 14 to seven. If you convert that, who knows what happens. And the one thing I didn't – was that a bad – we never got a, a behind angle. Was that snap – over like was it as bad as it looked because he had another I think it was a Nick it was a side it was to the side it actually wasn't like right it wasn't launched over his head it was more to the side and I think Luke still got to catch it well because there was another one might have been at the end of the first half I think it was at the the last drive of the first half that he should have caught the the snap it wasn't perfect but I mean it was like a little bit to the side he's got to catch that but anyways that's a big play um the hands to the face penalty on Casey Rogers, which I don't those kinds of calls, I don't even I don't know. You know, I mean here's what's hard. It was late and it wasn't it didn't even come close to affecting the play. Like no. those are the ones I go, do you really need to call that? Like, is that is that even does that even make a difference? Well, because it and, it made a difference because it was it yeah, it didn't make a difference for the play, but it made a huge difference for the drive, whereas it was second and fifteen on that play. And it would have been third and 15, but instead it's a 15-yard penalty, first down for Illinois, and they score a touchdown six plays later to, to, to get to 21 points, Then to make it 21-7. to seven. Then you have the holding on Cam Jurgens from fourth and goal at the one-yard line, which I don't know what Cam was doing. I don't know. He didn't. But you know what? That, that didn't look like a hold, and I don't think that's – that's one of those you're like you're on the you're gonna call a, go, a hold on the center on the one yard. I've never seen the center. I know. Get not, I don't have ever seen goal. that. I've never seen a holding from the center on the one yard line. I really don't think I've seen it. But that but Nebraska has to settle for a field goal. So instead of twenty one to fourteen, it's twenty one ten. We're playing the if game here. People play along with us. The ins- I love the if the game. if game's great. Nebraska is uh, in the college football playoff every year if playing the if game because if all if they're undefeated by the way um, the ensuing kickoff after Nebraska settled for a field goal that's the that's the Illinois fumbles it forward it's in a Nebraska player's hands can't hold on to it Illinois recovers Illinois proceeds to score four in four plays and that's a huge swing if Nebraska recovers that fumble they have the ball basically in the red zone down 21 to 10 instead Illinois recovers and scores a touchdown so now it's 28 to 10 like that's a huge sequence but I mean it's crazy how many of these play like this game was our game that these all added up. I mean, I mean, we had a bunch of these kind of plays. Well, and then here, and then I'll, we'll, we'll just only do one more with the if game. The the fake the the punt the the first the first drive of the second half. Nebraska comes out, forces a three and out, and you're like, okay, if you're gonna rally, you gotta, you know, I mean, you gotta you gotta get that yeah. momentum going right away. And you kind of thought, all right, here we go, three and out. Illinois runs this little weird, like, look like George McFly was the punt returner. He's like, oh, oh, no. Oh, where's no, Biff? No, no, I'll put it. No, I'll put it. Okay, I'm going. Yeah. 
It's the most timid first down in the history of football. But and he was slow. He oh was like, Lord! I okay, mean, Nick, I got a question for you. Do we typically only have the one guy going to the like? I was going to ask you the, what what was that? I mean, it literally for for the lion's share of that play, there was three human beings in the screen. The punter, like one blocker, and then one Nebraska player. And they played like this weird cat and mouse game. Like everybody else was 40 yards down the field. Like where was everybody? Well, it looked like everybody was, you know, truly blocking for a return. We had the one guy like that was like checking for fake. And they have their three guys that do the, you know, the wall on those rugby punts, like the, the big yeah. guys. And then the punter. So I guess my thing is like, if that's the typical way those go, you should fake it every time because you have three guys to block one. So don't we all? Shouldn't we always have at least two very good tackling athletic people there? Because I feel like the guy we had like didn't even look like he had a chance yeah, to make. He, lo- he looked like, like yeah, he looked like my mom. Like my mom was. <laughs> like, it was like the worst <laughs> attempt I've ever seen at fighting off a block uh, and making a tackle. But here's the bad thing is. Illinois did the exact same type of George McFly fake punt the week before against Rutgers. So they had shown that little look, but well, I don't think it was, I don't even know that that's a call. I don't fake. either. That's I, what, think I mean, that's, I, think I think George that's McFly, George McFly's got the green light to, to decide if he wants to take his run to the enchantment under the sea dance. That's pretty much what he <laughs> That, that punter, what if that punter just like was looking down his pants and he like put that picture and like his kids were like, you know, half faded. He's like, I got to do it. Oh God, I got to do it. They're almost gone. Maybe that's why he couldn't run. His like legs were like disappearing. Like Michael J's hand was playing the guitar. That's why he couldn't run. He's like, oh God, my legs. I got to get this first down or I'm going to completely disappear. That's what's happening in Back to the Future. Oh, my God, I'm oh, crying. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's a huge the, – the play, for all intents and purposes, the game was over then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because then they – that, that was it. That was that it. Was because the they – that that Illinois continued on a, a drive of 16 plays that ate, like, seven or so minutes off the clock. It ends in points. It's demoralizing, It and it continues to wear out the defense, and it's over at that point. Yeah. Oh, my God, that was just – all right, we ready for the aloe fast takeaway to wrap this up before we talk any more T. Cruz. Oh, yeah. <laughs> T. Cruz jet, jet sweeps and George McFly fake punts. Oh, my God. If you, I think we should have a, a Michael J. Fox, T. Cruz, who's the most physical actor <laughs> contest. I'm telling you, they're both great. They are both just all over they the are. Screen. They are. I, I, it's a good point. I've never thought about that. I've I've thought about that with Cruz. I've never thought about that with with Michael J. Fox. Oh, Michael he always good. looks like he, he's kind of almost like he's sweating too. Like he's like he's been he's he's in civilian street clothes and like have you ever really had to sprint in like street clothes? I mean, you're going to start sweating hard, and that's what Michael oh, J. Yeah. Fox does. Michael J. Like always runs somewhere and like slides. He's like, whoa! I had to slow down. Like, whoa. you know, like. Like I, I kind of want to start just doing that in my day to day. Like, just like, where did he come from? Wow! <laughs> slide in, in. into the coffee <laughs> shop. You just yeah. run and just slide into the door and ah, yeah. all right, God, <laughs> he. 
That's what he did at his big audition. They were like, all right, Michael J. Fox, go ahead and show us what you got. It's like, all right, check this out. And he just runs and slides. And they're like, wow. They're like, look at look at that guy move. <laughs> can, he, can he act? Uh, it doesn't matter. Give him a job. Just what well, we just get tell this tell this to the screenwriters to walk in a lot of sliding in for Michael J. Fox, and that'll be what we hang our hat on. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> Okay, the Alifest takeaway. We've clearly hit our delirious point of this podcast here. <laughs> you want reliable internet, people. You do. This is, this internet isn't just reliable. It's exceptional. It's incredible. I mean, the speed of this thing is amazing. I can be download. I've already had to start downloading college basketball games and start doing some film prep. I can be doing that, watch things crystal clear, humming with the downloads while my wife is streaming. She's got into Downton Abbey. Not interested. Oh, you like it? Oh, Nick, I gotta be honest with you. I don't like I've people that are like Downton. Give me some more tea, and you're being rude, and I don't like you whatsoever. Downton Abbey say, coming. <laughs> is it fair to say, Nick, you don't like the English? <laughs> I'm not into. Is that like castles and like? Are there like? Yes, like manners yes. and like my the lady. Lords and the dukes. And I the, don't like oh that yeah. stuff at all. But anyway. Yeah, you don't, you don't play that stuff. I don't play that stuff, dog. I'm watching Martin do Lawrence, dude. I'm watching <laughs> Martin, <all right? laughs> They have Martin in England? <laughs> I could be streaming. Hey, I could be streaming Martin while my wife is streaming Downton Abbey and we both are satisfied. Why? Because of Aloe. That's why it's the all-fiber network in Lincoln and across the state, second to none with having to work from home. Internet but never been more important. Make the switch. AlloFiber.com. AlloFiber.com. Tell them Nick Boss sent you. All right. The Aloe Fest takeaway. Morris Jet Sweeps or T. Cruz or what we – I mean, what's the – the takeaway from this game is uh, – man, there's a million of them. Like, the, the – I don't know. I mean, I, I'm trying to figure out how to... Need, it's one of those things, there are so many different issues, it's hard to pick one. I think the biggest one is like the, the, the offense continues to not find itself, you know? And like, that, that is still, for as much as the defense gave up 41 points to an offense that had really been struggling, the, the, the root cause of a lot of these issues stem from this offense's inability to perform up to what they want it to look like. And that's that's probably the biggest thing that, that just – we keep on waiting for the offense to kind of start to be like, oh, okay, here we go. Now it's starting to like – it's starting to build something. It just hasn't happened. Is that your takeaway? Like what's your – I mean – I think so, something along those lines of we got offensive issues, um, we got defensive issues a little bit too, which is not good. But uh, I would say like uh, – I my takeaway is yeah we need to this offense has got to figure itself out but I still don't think that you know some people are going too far like the frost era is over or something and I'm I'm so the opposite I'm 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 more double down like we're still on the path but we got to figure this thing out with the offense it, we got to let it work itself out so yeah uh, that's going to start with the quarterbacks and the offensive line and then the receivers are probably are, are going to be a patchwork till next year. But the, this quarterback and this offensive line have got to find themselves. Okay. Well, I mean, happy Thanksgiving, man. I mean, what's uh, how much turkey? What's what's your 
You're you're a, an astronomical amount of turkey, astronomical amount of mashed potatoes and gravy and corn, and then you call it good. And rolls. I'll do rolls, and then you you take as much as you can until you fall asleep. And that's about, about uh, as far as I go. <laughs> but I, oh, we're we're gonna do we're gonna do Thanksgiving. I think just me and my wife. Oh yeah. So shouts out to I following the, just, the medical advice. Yeah, I'm gonna be yeah. I'm gonna be by myself at the Hilton Garden Inn in Cincinnati. So I'm gonna be Ooh. like I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm figure I'll be eating like Mickey D's or something like that. It's gonna be awful. Well, do you? Get, you're a big steak guy, so I think you should just give yourself a, find a, a nice steak, ribeye. And- Operation Steak, find a steak. That's pretty much what the plan oh. is. That's the plan. Well. And, uh, yeah, so we'll be – we'll see what happens in this Iowa game. I mean, the timing of this thing, Iowa feels like they're finding themselves. Um, those boys better be ready to fight, man, I because mean, this is going to be yeah. a, this is gonna be a fist fight. Uh, all right, well, <laughs> we, we covered a lot of serious things, and we also covered a lot of – of silly things, which is what people need right now. You know, I, I don't know that we were coherent for much other than the, uh, than the back to the futures thing. So they, I, that's what I think you should focus on. Focus on back to the future and T cruise. That's it. Back to the future. T cruise shouts out to Michael J. Fox running around and sliding into various places. Uh, until then happy Thanksgiving. Everybody will catch up, uh, after Nebraska, Iowa, a little recap pod, eat a lot of Turkey, eat a lot of rolls, take a nap. Goodbye, everybody. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production. Hail Varsity Radio. Every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hail Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hail Varsity Radio.